There I am. Okay. Yep. <sighs> and always, it's always something about Sunday night that just makes me tired. And because you got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and it's been a while, but this. Yeah, the Palomu. I didn't realize it could puff its neck out. That's interesting. Yeah, it uses it uh, basically like a balloon, and it floats with it like that. So it can be a real pain in the ass because it'll be floating in the freaking sky, um, and it pushes itself around uh, by like breathing in and uh, pushing out air, like blowing out air. Yeah. So you get the big ass axe. Blah. <laughs> mm. Is that another pl- what the fuck are those? But yeah, so uh one thing I'd wanted to mention in the podcast was the uh in that last episode, I think it was the scene with the two stormtroopers on the speeder bikes, just kind of mm. doing, uh, kind of like just being like low level enlisted dudes. Like, what the fuck's going on? I don't know. Well, get on the radio. Have you heard anything back yet? And then they just start punching the shit out of Baby Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> That's Dang. pretty hilarious. Oh, there was stuff about that. They're storm. They're stormtroopers. You're you're mad because the evil guys are doing evil stuff. What? What? <laughs> like, oh, shut up! I don't even want to hear it. Like, when you get mad at the villains for doing villain things, just get, get out of here. Get out of here. How dare they do villainous stuff? Yeah, how Those dare the bastards. villains be villains? <laughs> and then the other thing that I had uh, mentioned to you, where the fuck did he go? Now he's fucking ran off. Oh, there he is. Yeah, the other thing was the uh, the writer for the second Captain Marvel movie is an uber-feminist, uh, never-Trumper, pro-Iran, pro-Islam, Although I don't know what those uh, other three have to do with writing a Captain Marvel movie. Um, actually, I don't know what any of it has to do with writing a good movie. Just, just write a good movie. Like, I don't, I don't like. Someone did bring up the point that it's impossible for media to not encompass. Uh, it, it like it is impossible. Jeez, why does that hurt so much? <laughs> um, someone brought up the point that like it's impossible to do like media or anything without having political views in it, and that I think actually that they're right about that. Well, it yeah, is impossible I mean... to craft a story without your own personal world views being a part of that story, but you still have the ability to craft an objectively good story. The problem is when the story is uh, 
is when all the story is is your political views. Like uh, your your political views should be the subplot, not the plot. Right. Like if that if if it makes sense for me when I say it that way, like you oh, yeah, you're okay. yeah. yeah of so <laughs> right. So that's the biggest thing about the first Captain Marvel movie. The political agenda was the plot, and then the movies, the movie itself was the subplot, right? Oh, so yeah. that was the biggest problem with that first movie. So I don't care who writes the new movie, just make sure that your uh, uh, that your political views are the uh, subplot. Not the plot. Hmm. Right. And but you know this was uh this was first brought to my attention uh, in the morning show I listened to here in the area, and uh, they had brought it up and they posted the article on their Twitter account. So I looked it up, and you you seen what the chick looks like? She she looks like a feminist. Oh, was that the picture that you sent me? Yeah, that's her. Okay. She looks like a feminist. She's got the glasses, and she looks, I don't know, looks like she probably has at least 10 cats. To be fair, like, it is uncanny how the the group of the group of feminists and the group of people who spout some of this dumb bullshit it is uncanny how they do have a certain look to them right like uh-huh. line up <laughs> pictures of them and honestly they very they're very similar in the way that they dress themselves like it's 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 really weird in all honesty it, like it, it's really weird, um, and yeah, a little like twilight, the... and and a little twilight zone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the the glasses, the feminist looking glasses, the feminist looking haircut. I don't know. She looks like she might be in her forties, and and don't get me wrong, feminism as the ideal is fine. You know, women should have equal rights, equal treatment. Now we've had the discussion where is that really what they want or do they just want to lord it over us? Because it's not even about, well, it's not even about lording over. Uh, What I have noticed about the extreme feminists, because there's feminists who there are feminists who are like the, Uh Oh, Oh, this is a welcome guest appearance. Yeah, (laughs) we're just doing a behind the scenes and we're talking about the the writer for the Captain Marvel 2 who looks like she owns about 10 cats and has never seen a penis up close in real life. Oh, is it kind of like Elizabeth Banks who is all like, you guys don't like females in, in lead roles. That's why my remake of Charlie's Angels did so shitty. It's like, no, the remake of the Charlie's Angels just did so shitty because you did an absolutely fucking horrible job of writing this story. 
and you have no fucking clue what you were doing with that fucking franchise. Yeah. No, no, you're good. Um, that was like the 60s flower power flagship. Well, yeah, and well, like, not to mention the fact that you can't say that when fucking Captain Marvel fucking rocked it, fucking Wonder Woman fucking rocked it. Like, there are all sorts of movies that had female leads that f- did phenomenal and, like, were box office hits. You, like, it has nothing to do with female leads. It has to do with the fact that you made a shitty fucking movie. Mm, yeah. I mean, she, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Go ahead. Uh, finish your thought. I thought oh, you were done. I didn't know. No, oh, no, no, you're good. Um, I was like, she was, like, she was the, the, the mind behind Pitch Perfect and Pitch Perfect 2 and Pitch Perfect 3. Like, she was the one. Like, don't get me wrong. They're, they're okay movies. Like, I'm, I'm the type of guy I'll sing along to music if it, if it sounds good, and, and, and I'll do that. But at the same time, like, you've been focusing on fluff pieces for the last decade and a half or more. And then you try and take on a franchise like Charlie's Angels, which started out as a badass TV series that went on to make some fucking awesome movies that really, in, in all intents and purposes, did not need to be remade. And you did a fucking horrible job at it. Just some people don't don't seem to understand that they want to take it personally because they're so like knee deep in feminazi bullshit that they don't understand that it has nothing to do with whether or not you're a female and that you cast uh it not whether or not the the movie had female leads it had to do with the fact that you made a horrible movie not to mention the fact the storyline was complete shit oh and by the way like two of the four leading actresses were absolutely horrendous because they're shitty actresses Oh, and wasn't weren't like two of them lesbians for each other or some shit too? I don't I don't know. I didn't actually watch the movie. I, I saw so many bad uh, views. Kristen Stewart's so character bad. was lesbian. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. It, it, the, oh, the yeah. vibe that was the vibe that I got when I was watching the trailers. But like, yeah, go go figure. Pants of a lesbian. Yeah. Well, I mean, do, <laughs> there's 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 some movies tv series where that type of character be it lesbian gay or whatever it fits in with the series like you didn't just try and throw it in there just to fucking like uh not necessarily appease that that community but like oh but they did yeah that, i mean that was <laughs> that was that was the point so her point of of this whole movie wasn't even to make a good charlie's angels movie it was to pander. It was to fan the the feminazi flame. Go sit down. Sorry, dog. Mm. Um, mm. It was to fan the feminazi flames, and it was to bolster the LGBT community. But like, you don't. It, if you do it the right way, your main goal shouldn't be to do that. Like, you can fan those flames if you want to, and bolster the community without making it ridiculously obvious. Yeah, like Gerald was saying, uh, shit, now I just forgot what it was you were saying. Uh, So, I had made the point that, uh, and and we are going to differ on our opinions of Captain Marvel, because I am not of the mind that it was hit out of the park. I don't think it was terrible, 
But yeah. I, I think it was the worst a movie can be because it wasn't terrible and it wasn't bad. It was forgettable. It was right in that middle ground of, well, meh. Um, hmm. But I thought Wonder Woman was really good. Uh, except for the end. The end oof, was jank when Ares comes out. But uh, Well, at the hmm. same time, the, like people don't understand that Wonder Woman really is like a goddess. Well, right. But, well, we'll get to that. We, we can talk about that in a moment. But the point yeah. I had made is that um, people uh, – someone I was listening to brought up the point uh, that you cannot craft anything without it taking in your worldviews. It, yeah, it, it's yeah, not so possible. And that's what that is yeah. true. And I, yeah, and I do believe that that is true. It's true but to the point. There, well, hold on. But the stipulation is that when you are crafting a story, your political views and your agenda should be the subplot, not the plot. Yes. And th- that was the issue I had with Captain, the first Captain Marvel. The political agenda was the plot, and the story itself was the subplot. It's supposed to be the other way around. Yeah, the, the story was second to the political shit agenda and, yeah and he was and that was the the good point that he had brought up because like um they redid charmed and two of the sisters are lesbians and like one is white one is black the other is questionable cool. and that's that's not how you that's not how you do it but that's that's what they're doing to pander I, I that's and like i i got it like making doctor who female now and looking at making bond female and and also so like, they're not looking at they are the, she's the, gonna the, be a chick the the problem that i have with that is that these stories weren't written with that intent and i got you're trying to to Hold on a second. I keep forgetting. I got to pause this damn movie. Mm. Oh, mother fudger. Mm. But uh, what what we were talking about to start with this topic was that uh, the writer of Captain Marvel 2 is an uber feminist, never Trumper, pro-Iran, pro-Islam liberal. And the point I was making was, well, I, I get the feminist part because it's Captain Marvel and, you know, she's this uber feminist icon. But what the hell in this article talking about it does the writer being never Trump pro Iran pro Islam have to do with Captain Marvel? Yeah, and I get what you're saying. Like the. <sighs> The, the 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 news in general has has been a, an absolute shit show to begin with from I don't know nineteen ninety onwards, <laughs> but like especially of late, it it seems like everybody's more focused on bashing one side or the other. It's not hmm. about it's not about really political views or or anything of that nature it's about how how much can i discredit the other person and how much can i show that that 
that person is a complete shit bag and so on and so forth. And, and instead of actually <sighs> dealing with, with things and, and having the understanding that everybody's going to have their own opinion, like David has his opinion about stuff. I have my opinion about stuff. Joe has his opinion about stuff, but at the same time, like I'm still friends with you guys. Like I'm, I'm not going to, if you disagree with me on on gun control and and I'm pretty sure you both agree with me but I'm just going to say for instance like I'm I'm hardy for it for it like I want to be able to protect myself I want to be able to protect my family I want to be able to protect my house and if it comes to the point that somebody comes to my door with the intent to either steal maim kill or otherwise do any harm to my family I'm going to put two in the chest and one in the head like I've always been taught <laughs> David may David may feel like that is extremism uh, to the max, and that nobody should need to to have guns and so on and so forth. But I'm not going to hate David for for thinking that way, and I'm not going to try and do everything to discredit him in Gerald's eyes. Like it 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 it's superfluous. That all you go, all you end up doing is breeding hate on a on a, a long term and a grander scheme, and it's the same thing that's happening with these fucking movies. And and hmm. take and uh, taking characters that have been specifically written, created for a purpose and a certain way, and then changing it because you want to quote unquote modernize the story or modernize the character or get get today's people into uh, the the way things things are on that that type of, of movie is, is asinine because what you're going to end up doing is once we get through this generation of bullshit, because believe me, it'll happen. You go through, <laughs> you go through various generations of, you have fucking retards that, that come up thinking that they, they deserve everything in the sun without having to work for it or that they're all a bunch of special fuckers that, that, you know, I need to be me, 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 and my feelings count, and you offended me, so you have to, you know, apologize and all that other bullshit. Or the the PC police will come arrest you. Right, and you're going to get to the point where the next generation is going to be like, you guys are fucking idiots. We're going to change how things go. What's going to end up happening is you are going to completely ruin the story and the character of these movies for any future generations because you're pandering to fucking sensitive little egotistical babies. Mm. So right. I just <laughs> when it boils down to it, regardless of how they're portrayed in the media or whatnot, uh, I, I agree with, with Gerald. Like the story has to come first, and any political agendas or anything like that need to be sub or even exonated from it completely. And and I I get like regardless of of who you are as a person when you write um when when you write a s- script or or play or, or anything of that nature, your views will come into place. But at the same time, if you are a true writer, if you are a true um uh movie fanatic anything whatever you should be able to write from both points of view you should be able to write with that neutral understanding of of how things are um i'll i'll admit i have times where i get a little prejudiced because the topic is is 
sensitive in nature, we'll say. Hmm. But at the same time, like journalism. Journalism started off as as reporting, quote unquote, the truth. And that your and, personal and feelings and bias were not supposed to be in it by any means. You were supposed to act as a neutral party and report exactly what is happening, regardless of, of what one side says or the other. It was supposed to, to provide a window into what is actually happening in order to take both sides, merge them together and realize what the straight line is instead of the diagonal bullshit that's going on now. And, and unfortunately people are so caught up in their feelings and their mindset and everything like that, that what ends up happening is, is everybody is either trying to ensure that their viewpoint is seen, understood and taken or discredit the other guy so much that nobody else will look at what they have to say. Okay. So I do have to interrupt there. They don't care about their agenda being seen or understood. They care that their their agenda is taken. They don't care if you know about it, and they don't care if you understand it. They only care that you take it. That that the that their agenda becomes your agenda. Well, and and again, um, you're going on extremes because for the most part, for the most part. If you start looking at the the wheelhouse towards the hub, rather than looking at what the the outside is is doing, you'll 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 notice that there are some people that that they don't care about whether or not you you accept and take their viewpoint and make it your own. They just want you to understand. So, and, and well, I don't really get do me for, wrong for a large for a large portion, like especially with the media, it's not about whether or not you view and accept and understand. It's about you know take this, we're ramming it down your throat, and it's now going to be yours, and you need to take it. So, like, well, I, don't misunderstand. I understand where you're going with that because even like feminists are getting tired of the extreme feminists, and yeah. when I yeah. Is like even you know actual feminists are even getting really really tired of these extreme feminists, and it's the extremists that we are talking about because it's the extremists that are screaming. It's always the extremists who scream the loudest mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. do the most terrible stuff. It's always the extremists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell people all the time because and I and Chris Rock I, I first heard it from Chris Rock and I all have always agreed with him no decent human being is only left or only right everyone's a little left about something a decent human being is going to be a little left about something and a little right about something you yes. know you're going to have some conservative views you're going to have some liberal views but no decent human being is going to be just one thing it's just not the way it works um and uh but uh, and when you were talking about how if we had uh, different uh, viewpoints on gun control and the reason we can all be friends and share our thoughts is what I always end up bringing up because it always seems to be true is because for people like ourselves, we're open <laughs> to having the conversation. The people who go nuts and start attacking each other are the ones who don't even want the conversation. They're like, no, what I think is right, there are no other viewpoints, and if there is another viewpoint, it's obviously wrong, and it's evil, and has to be destroyed. They don't even want the conversation. Um, 
And I've watched a couple. Right. Um, Sorry, I'm I'm just going to interrupt really quick, and I swear it's going to be short. The the, the direct correlation with that is education. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying college degree or anything like that. The direct correlation with people who are open to the discussion and everything are those people that have the ability to think for themselves and have the intelligence to understand that it's not always one side or the other. Yeah. And um, to go off of that, you know, everybody to use the the gun control uh, thing, you know, all the people um, on the on the take them all side, probably 95% of them don't know shit about guns. I mean, have you seen the political debates where all the Democrats are showing off the high powered, all fully automatic 300 round capable in 30 seconds fucking rifles? The ghost gun? Yeah, ghost guns. There, there you go. With the with the thirty magazine clips and the bullet button that turns it into a, a hose of death. Yeah. Yeah. Oh the the thing that you're not even allowed to legally have. <laughs> well, like you know, definitely in in California and uh, New York. Yeah. I mean the weapon. Well, no, the weapon you are not allowed, allowed to have. I'm not allowed to have in California. <laughs> Man, well, California has very, very strict gun laws, but automatic weapons have been outlawed for years, like decades. The only the and, civilians and, are not allowed to have automatic weapons. And I was going to say, the only um, people that actually have automatic weapons are, are military or police, which right. that in itself should tell you something. Because, and, and I'm only going to say this one little bit the whole Second Amendment was made to prevent tyranny, not to you know, allow us to go hunting. So the fact that police and, and, and military members have fully automatic weapons and it's quote unquote outlawed for us to have it is just yet another stepping stone on the way towards tyranny. Well, mm. yeah, I'm not and, saying, uh... I'm not saying it's a nece- it's something that we need to have, but I'm just saying like the whole point of, of the second amendment was so that if, there is some bullshit going on with the government, which, quote unquote, right now, there's some bullshit going on with the government. But if there's some <laughs> bullshit going on with the government, the civilian populace is supposed to be able to protect itself from Correct. a tyrannical government. Yeah, the civilian populace is supposed to be a bigger military than our military. So if our if somebody gets into power who has some ideas of turning our country into a tyrannical Dictate, dictatorship, yeah. Our army can make them think twice, third, and fourth about that idea. Well, not to mention the fact that it's also devoutly hoped that our military will will deny that type of of order coming from somebody like that because there's also this whole thing in general military authority to to question unlawful orders and if need be apprehend said person from being unlawful 
that is and, unfortunately not my experience with the military chain of command. Yeah, I mean, like everyone wrong. I know you're, of, you're not wrong yeah. Right. <laughs> when it when it comes to what I've heard from people who have been in the military, in the army, even in air forces and navy, you follow orders no matter what they are because that's what the chain of command is. If everyone if everyone questions the orders, then what's the point of chain of command? And it, it and it completely undermines the entirety of the military idea. And I'm like, well, if you tell me to blow up a village full of defenseless people, I'm gonna have some questions about why we're doing that. Yeah, like- <laughs> right. And and that's and that's what that is. So like if. So, for example, Ian's a, a staff sergeant. I'm a specialist. So, if Staff Sergeant Ian tells me, "Hey, go punch that pregnant woman in the face. She's being uppity," I could be like, "No, sir, I'm not going to do that." Yeah, and then what ends up happening is is I'm the one that gets in trouble, not him, because even though he didn't obey my order, my order for was unlawful, and therefore I'm the one that gets in trouble. And that's why there's the whole UCMJ system. And people like to like to uh, fall back on the whole chain of command and, and yada, yada, yada. And that if we have people that are, you know, di- uh, not obeying orders and so on and so forth, the, the whole thing breaks up. Well, I mean, if you put a fucking idiot in charge to begin with, then I mean, hmm. I'm not wrong. So. Yeah. Well, that got wonderfully off the rails. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> and that's My okay, bad. Though. I can go. You guys can go back to talking about movies. <laughs> oh, you're good. Yeah, you're, you're fine. It's like with uh, Gerald's friend when he uh, was with us uh, podcast before last. It was a delightful train wreck. <laughs> well, I, was, I was halfway tempted to come on and be like, hey, so I just rewatched everything. Let's talk about The Witcher and The Mandalorian. <laughs> we actually did talk oh. about The Mandalorian yesterday. Uh, yeah. If you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. Like, I'm always yeah. honestly up for talking about The Witcher. Uh, I got no problems talking about The Mandalorian. I watched it. I need to rewatch the last episode, but. The last, I'm, I, like, there's a lot of shit that goes down in the last episode that half of me is like, okay, cool, awesome. Another half of me is like, what the fuck? And then, like, in between the two halves is that, like, little sliver of, like, okay, what's going to happen now? <laughs> yeah, I was telling David and Crit, I was like, I thought the last episode of Mandalorian was really, really good because it was a lot of character discovery. And I like character discovery. Especially uh, when his helmet came off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and not just when his helmet came off, and I made this point as well, it was when, after his helmet came off, his entire perspective of the android, whose name I'm forgetting again, David. IG-11. IG-11, um, his entire perspective of IG-11 changed. Because up to that point, he was like, fuck IG-11. IG-11 hmm. can go to hell. Well, we need to it kill was, it. It was even before <laughs> that. It was, it was, it, to be honest, it was even before that. Because up until, uh, up until the comms, when IG-11 saved Baby Yoda and started speedering in, and he, he answered the comms from fucking Mando... Up until that point, Mando was like, fuck this dude. This dude needs to fucking die. Da 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 da. And then fucking IG comes in on the speeder, fucking guns blazing. Speeder bike goes crashing all over everybody. 
fucking shooting people and and mando's like okay i gotta go out and help him and then from that point on he was he was like cool with ig and then it wasn't until well no no he was still not cool with ig now no what they did that wasn't ig i know what you're talking about when you're talking about when he was getting when ig was getting ready to take his helmet off and he was about to blast ig that had nothing to do with with ig being ig that had to do with the creed well, no, 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 no. Well, no, hold on. So this was this was a big point that I made. So, and what you're talking about, you're right. You're, you're right. They're, but that the thing is, those were stepping stones up to that point. Because when when Mando at with every every time up to the point of the helmet scene, Mando is fuck IG. But there's little stepping stones where his fuck you gets a little less and less genuine, where it's more not fuck you, IG, just fuck droids in principle because I don't like them. And then we get to the helmet scene where IG is basically going out of his way to save his life and he's getting ready to take off the helmet. And he's like, well, he puts up the blaster, but he before that. But specifically before that part of the scene happens, he literally talks to IG about, well, you're just a killing machine. That's all you are. And then IG is like, look, I'm going to take off your helmet. I'm going to heal you. And then he's like, no, you can't take off the helmet. It's the way no living creature has, you know, no living creature can see me without my helmet. And IG is like, well, I'm I'm not not a living living creature. creature. Yeah. And then right after that, after that happens and he heals Mando and they all get back together mando's entire perspective of ig completely changed because right, when ig right. goes to then uh explode himself mando's like no no you can't i, I mean i can't do this without you you have to be here right, right yeah no, it, mando's yeah i get what you're saying but my whole point and and i'm, I'm gonna emphasize this my whole point isn't so much that um it wasn't until that point that he was like, no, 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 I need you, I need you, I need you. Because, mind you, he's still like, fuck droids, fuck droids, fuck droids. And and why wouldn't he? I mean, it was droids that absolutely demolished his his um, village village and, and killed yeah. his parents and almost killed him. And that's the biggest reason why he's, he's thankful to the Mandos because they fucking saved him. But his fuck you to... To IG eleven stopped once IG eleven started fucking gunning down stormtroopers and everything, and he went outside to save them. At that point, he was like, at that point, he started accept because he was all about like stay on the ship, stay on the ship, don't fucking leave the ship, don't fucking do anything. And then he was all about why the fuck you, what, why are you answering the comms? What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? And then when he showed up, he was like, okay, well, all right, fucking. Let's go help him. Now, granted, he had Baby Yoda at the time, but even then, when hmm. they went back inside, he was still like, "Not fuck you, IG." Like he was still like open to him being there. And then once everything was said and done, and he had that whole discussion with 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 IG about the helmet and everything, that's when he, at that point, pretty much accepted IG as a part of the group. And not just as IG and fucking when IG went to go like save them all. He's like, no, no, no. I know like you need to stay. But my point is like, he'd stop <laughs> thinking of, of IG as, as 
as just a killing machine and, and fuck you, get away from me before the helmet scene and the helmet scene just kind of cemented his change. Yeah. yeah not wrong. <laughs> I feel like we, well, we, we may have a difference. We, we may have to agree to disagree on some on some minor points, That's but fine. I feel like we're saying the same thing, but in two different ways, but in different ways, because <laughs> like I said, there are these stepping stones in the relationship between Mando and IG where his fuck you to IG is less and less genuine, right? It's like when he first meets him, it's a hard go fuck yourself. And then IG will do something that would be normally against IG's like protocol or or against his own best interest. And so Mando's fuck you gets a little bit softer. And he's like, well, go fuck yourself, right? Instead of hard fuck you, he's like, well, go fuck yourself. And then he's like, stay on the ship, stay on the ship, stay on the ship. But Mando saves Baby Yoda, comes in guns blazing. And he's like, well, I got to go out there and support him with Baby Yoda. And then he's like, well, IG-11, you came, you saved us, you saved Baby Yoda you know, go fuck yourself. And then the helmet thing happens and then the go fuck yourself vanishes after that. I, I right? I, we'll, we'll, so, we'll agree to disagree because I think the yeah. moment he stepping stone, <laughs> so like he starts the stepping stones the moment that fucking, the, the, my, my thing is, is the, the, the fuck you, the go fuck yourself disappeared the moment that fucking IG-11 popped up, guns blazing against the stormtroopers. Because oh, yeah, that that's that. Well, yeah, that's where we're going to disagree on it. Yeah. When the go fuck yourself stopped. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> hold, hold on a second. You're not getting anything, dude. Go lay down in your bed. <laughs> and laying down the law for the pupper. Oh. You have to. He's begging. Can't let my... kids run you. He's begging <laughs> for my raisin canes chicken tenders. He's not getting shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him, Buzz, you can't have the tendies. These are my tendies. No chicky tendies for you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, an interesting fact about that last episode uh, that I, it was either on Twitter or Facebook that I saw the, uh, the 501st, the cosplay brigade, uh, actually came out to yep. fill in the, the ranks of As the stormtroopers. Storm yep. Yeah, that was awesome. They actually took a picture with, with the cast and, and again, Mando's the only one that kept the helmet on. <laughs> right. And uh, did you know, Ian, the actor that plays Mando was Oberyn Martell? Yeah, I also know that he was also the good guy turned capitalist pig in the second Kingsman movie. Haven't seen that one. Yeah, watch what when you get a chance. Watch the second Kingsman movie. You've seen the first one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I, in all honesty, I like them both. Um, I'm a little upset with with how they started off the second Kingsman movie because it. I think they did something that they shouldn't have. However, the way it ended up was was pretty good. Well, like my initial groan about it was how they. Uh... You know how the the Kingsmen were like the sophisticated, you know, kung fu with the umbrella secret agents, and then they bring in the American secret agents, and they're all yeehaw with cowboy hats and guns a blazing. 
Like, yeah. That's that's not all Americans. Come on. No, no, but I mean, it is Kentucky, so. <laughs> but yeah, Point no, I, I like. <laughs> I'm really interested. So. I'm really interested to see how they 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 take this series. Um, I want to know if uh, I I really like the whole um, Baby Yoda is now a foundling and. Uh, until such time as he is returned to whoever who can quote unquote train him, he is, for lack of of better explanations, the Mando's son. Um, oh. And uh, and I I like that uh, the Mando got his signet and everything. I want to see where they take this because at one so at one point. Boba Fett is supposed to take control of the Mandalorian culture. He's supposed hmm. to be he he's supposed to be the Mandalore. But I I I kind of have this feeling that they're setting Mando up to eventually become the Mandalore. And I hmm. want to see how they portray this because Especially with at the very end, Gideon cutting himself out of the crashed Tie Fighter with the dark saber. With the dark saber, um, I, the dark saber is the key to identifying who the Mandalore is. So, because I, the dark saber was the first Mandalorian Jedi's own weapon. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, and I and I I showed you guys the the links and everything for that, but yeah, to go into better explanation for the listeners, the the very first um, Jedi Mandalorian crafted the dark saber, and he did it. Uh, he crafted it the way it is on purpose because uh, he wanted to um, pay homage to uh, Mandalorian culture and such. So with with most. Uh, Jedi lightsabers, they have uh, a cylindrical hilt, may have a, a little uh, kink to them or not, um, and, and they usually have blue, green, gold um, blades. Purple. Uh, purple, yay or nay. I mean, there's there's the backstory to it, to where um, Samuel L. Jackson just wanted a purple lightsaber, and oh, then yeah. <laughs> they, they went through and, and changed it to um, purple lightsaber is meant to denote those Jedi that uh, use aspects of, of both light and dark uh, yeah. side powers. Um, and uh, it's the same with, I want to say, orange um, lightsaber uh, blades. The, the, they have aspects of, of both sides that they use. So for the most part, really um, purple and uh, orange lightsabers are really more on the lines of, of gray Jedi than either uh light or dark side but um yeah so blue green and red rgb yeah uh (laughs) so you have those those generic ones cylindrical um cylindrical hilts and really the blades are are round as well yet uh when the first mandalorian jedi made his saber he made it like a sword hilt and he set it up to where when the blade came out it looked like a, a sword rather than a, a regular lightsaber. And it was, um, it was done that way in order to, um, 
pay homage to the Mandalorian culture and, and the history of the, of the Mandalorians. So uh, with that, uh, upon his death, his saber was actually brought back to uh, the Jedi Temple and, on Coruscant. And they they placed it inside the the museum that they have for all for all uh, past Jedi. And uh, during a raid on Coruscant, um, the the Mandalore at that time was able to successfully uh, retrieve the dark saber. And from that point on, it was uh, utilized as a symbol to the Mandalore uh, or for the Mandalore for the rest of the Mandalorians to, to denote their leader. Um, it, it helped unite all uh, factions of the Mandalorians into a single cohesive um, society. And, uh, right. and I think it was at one point, um, one of, so right before it disappeared and right before Darth Maul took over death watch, um, it belonged to the leader of Death Watch, and then um, Darth Maul fought him, defeated him, took the dark saber, used it for a period of time while he was leading Death Watch, and then it kind of quote unquote disappeared. Until you, um, I think the first time it popped back up again is if you watch uh, Star Wars Rebels when it is brought back. Um, it was actually in season two of Clone Wars. Well, in, I'm... in season two Clone Wars, yes, that's when uh, the dark saber went. The, the guy with the dark saber went against Obi Wan Kenobi, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. then um, I think towards the end of it, when uh, Darth Maul fought the leader of of Death Watch and was able to, to take the dark saber, that's when it kind of disappeared and it came back in, in uh, Star Wars Rebels. Um, mm. And then it made it back up, uh, like right before. I want to say, like right before the uh, A New Hope. Yeah, right before A New Hope. Um, it made it back to Mandalorian culture, and uh, they were basically united again. And then that's when the Great Purge happened. And I guess somehow between. Uh, the Great Purge and the Mandalorian, uh, Moff Gideon was able to, to get a hold of it. I'm actually wondering if they're going to do like a couple of shows where it's like cutscenes back to when Moff Gideon was, uh, uh, what was it, ISB, IFB? Um, some kind of high-ranking official, but I don't remember. Yeah, he was he was yeah. a high-ranking official during the time of the Great Purge. So it'd be interesting to see if he um, just stole it, if he killed the person huh. that had it and took it, or how just just how he came to have um, the the dark saber. And then uh, I want to so that that and the reason I mentioned. Boba Fett is because um, in Legends and and I don't know what part of Legends they've kept uh, as canon um, but in Legends uh, Boba Fett ends up becoming the Mandalore for Mandalorian culture um, and it happens you know after he escapes the Sarlacc pit and such and um, the, there was a huge thing on whether or not he was actually coming into the the Mandalorian 
Because if you remember at the end of, I believe it was episode five. Um, We're talking about Empire Strikes Back? No, 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 no. Episode five of The Mandalorian where Mm. uh, he's on Tatooine and uh, they go after What's-Her-Face. And at the very end, you see it has to be a, a Mandalorian because it has the the cape the, the 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 armor and then you can hear the spurs that are distinct um with regards to uh Boba Fett um you hear those spurs in in the walk and the the person ends up kneeling down by the dead body of of the the bounty so it, it was a big thing that people were thinking, oh, well, maybe Boba Fett is going to end up being in the show too. And so now you got to wonder where they're going to take the show because not only did he not show up in, in the last three episodes, but you have now the Mandalorian with Baby Yoda that are now traveling around trying to find whoever it is they need to find. Um, the Coven of Mandalorians that were on the the planet. I can't remember the name of that planet, but that coven was almost nearly destroyed. So are the Mandalorians that possibly, hopefully escaped, are they going to come back? What's going to happen? Well, no, I thought it was shown that that uh, conclave was completely destroyed except for the weaponsmith, except for the armorsmith. So if you listen to what she says... Now, there's a lot of armor there, yes. However, it's not by any means all the armor of of all the the Mandalorians that were that were there. Um, but uh, when they're talking, he's like, "Did anybody escape?" And she goes, "I hope so. I pray so. I I I'm, I, I believe that that some did, but I I don't know. I've been here." Is is basically what she says. Oh, so okay. You, so you don't know if 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 there were some that escaped, how many escaped, <clears throat> so on and so forth. So you kind of it's you, left ambiguous, yeah. right? And then, I mean, you watched you watched her demolish what four or five stormtroopers that came in, and she just with hammer and destroyed them with yeah. with her her uh, forge stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh David God. brought up that point. Well, David brought up that point too. And uh, he was like, yeah, and they showed how badass she was when she beat up all those stormtroopers. And I was like, and she was badass doing it, but we have already fully established, even in this show, that stormtroopers are about as dangerous as a child with a knife. I I, I understand understand what you're saying. However, comma, what I'll say is this. If that's the case, how did the public get destroyed as thoroughly as it did? Outnumbered. They were completely and utterly outnumbered. So, I mean, you you would think that five stormtroopers would be too much for her to handle, even even if she even if they were like completely abysmal. But I mean, well, she we're not talking obliterated them. Well, I know, and I, I pointed this out to David too because if you remember what I said, David, I was like. The stormtroopers are about as dangerous as a small child with a knife that doesn't know what it's doing. So, see, seeing her take out, kid, even I, I hold on, I, I know, I know, they still have weapons. That's why I said a child with a knife. 
you still have to be careful, but the kid isn't combat trained. It's just waving the knife around to anyone who's <laughs> trained to fight. You're going to kick the crap out of that little three-year-old. It doesn't matter if they have a knife. Well, 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 let me get to my, let, let me get to my point though. And I, and then you, you can go, okay. but I was telling David, like, even though the conclave, as far as we know, even though it's left ambiguous, as far as we know, the conclave was uh, was wiped out. But you saw that pile of armor somewhere on the planet. There is a mountain, mountain. constructed mountain. out of stormtrooper <laughs> yeah. corpses, right? Like, I am not stating even for a moment the Mandalorians didn't wreck shit. But it was just overwhelming forces. Anyone can be overwhelmed when it's like 50 to 1. <laughs> and that's how they would have won. So there's just a mountain of stormtrooper corpses just sitting somewhere after that yeah. fight. And, and, me, and then I was like, and then I was like, well, since it takes place in a galaxy far, far away, maybe that was the wall the Spartans built at the hot gates. <laughs> was just the, just the mountain of the stormtrooper corpses, and they just had to airbrush all the armor off of them. Oh right. <laughs> and, anyways, um, so I got what you're saying. However, the quality of the stormtroopers that were in the city versus the quality of the stormtroopers that showed up with with Moff Gideon were like night and day. And I'm not even talking about the Death Troopers because the Death Troopers were fucking badass. But those guys, those guys were elite of elite of elite. If I remember correctly, you have regular stormtroopers, and then those regular stormtroopers, they would take the top like ten to fifteen percent and turn them into shock troopers, and then the top twenty-five percent of shock troopers would turn into death troopers. So they're, they're like elite elite status. But be that as it may even the quality of the stormtroopers that were there were far superior to the ones that were running around in the city that were like, you know, dirty armor and, you know, they just kind of like moseying around because they don't know what to fucking do with their lives. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, even in the scene where they're all inside the, the, the cantina and it's uh, fucking, dude that originally put out the bounty for Yoda and seven of the stormtroopers, the death troopers just absolutely obliterated everybody in that, that, that cantina, regardless of, of, of who they were, which means that the stormtroopers that the guy who originally put in the bounty, Oh, oh I think they name him the client. So the, yeah. regardless uh, of, of what's going on, the, the client, the start quality of stormtroopers, the client had, were those dregs and leftovers that just couldn't find anywhere else to go. And he just kind of like took them and, and made them his. The, the ones that, that Moff Gideon had were, were far superior in quality to, to those by a lot. So with that being said, those were Moff Gideon's stormtroopers that went into to the armor. So regardless of whether they were, you know, three foot children or a teenager with a knife they did i'm thinking they were more like a teenager with a knife which is far more difficult to handle than than a small child with a knife so i just she, i'm i'm just saying she's still fucking badass they're like i mean yeah. she 
she took that hammer and put it through a helmet. I mean, the helmet like shattered when she hit it. <clears throat> Dude, yeah. I am not disputing the fact that she's <laughs> badass. Like I, I told David on the podcast, she is badass. And I would be more apt to believe that these are like elite trained soldiers if our main characters weren't once again, as they always are, completely outnumbered. If it had been like Moth Gideon and his elite force of like four of the Death Troopers, and the Death Troopers were proving to be our main characters' equals, if not a little bit in better, so that they had to have more creative ways of dealing with them, mm-hmm. then we would have gotten a sense of, oh shit, these are motherfuckers right here. Well, but I that mean, was not you, the case. They were I just mean, outnumbered again. No, it's not even just that. Like, <laughs> bro, like, did you, did you watch the firefight? I mean, it was lucky yeah. It was. They were lucky the E-Web was there. That's the only thing that fucking, like, stopped them from absolutely getting obliterated was because fucking Mando picked up the goddamn E-Web, picked that motherfucker up, and started blasting people with it. Well, right. But once again, we've seen Mando and all of our main characters in fights. In a one-on-one or one-on-two fight uh, with anyone else. I'm not even talking about Stormtroopers. They can handle themselves easily enough. They're badasses. The reason he had to do what he had to do is because they were outnumbered as fuck. So what I'm trying to say is anybody anybody is in (laughs) trouble when you are outnumbered and outgunned. They just had more people and more firepower. What I wanted was was these... I wanted stormtroopers to be their equals or betters, and that what that's what brings a sense of danger to me. But when our characters, when the only time the stormtroopers are shown as being dangerous is when they outnumber our characters three, four, five, six to one, and it's a firefight. In a firefight, if you got more guns, you usually win, unless someone has a missile launcher or something. Or an e-web. <laughs> right, or an e-web, which they had at first, which is why he grabbed it. Because it, even in the sh- even in the episode, when he, he's looking around and he's going, what can I do? We're being overwhelmed. That was literally what he thought. And then he goes, oh, grab the e-web. So he grabbed the e-web and that helped to even things out. But that didn't, that doesn't take away from the fact that the stormtroopers were only dangerous because they outnumbered them. He had to literally go get a bigger gun. Right. Well, and even then it wasn't enough yeah, because yeah. they were outnumbered. So <laughs> you also have to think about the fact that the history of Star Wars in general. Most times, the only time that the bad guys have pretty much like been success successful in 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 anything is because they had overwhelming numbers, and then well, it boils down to way back when. So, when the army first came about, it was all clones that were meticulously and phenomenally trained. Mm. The clones were were trained to high level Mandalorian type standards that they were dangerous 
they, it wasn't it wasn't just they'd overwhelm you or anything. You get a couple of clone troopers, and you can run a battle without without worrying about being overwhelmed or anything like that. At one point between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, Emperor Palpatine gets rid of the clone troopers and they build the um, Imperial Academy on Karita. And that's where they got... That's where they started getting all of their stormtroopers. The Imperial Academy on, uh, on Karita would, would go through test, train, and then depend if you met certain standards, you'd go be an Imperial officer. And from there, they denote whether or not you'd be a flight officer or, or an officer on on one of the uh, starter shores. And then for everybody else, that you know, just like in the army, if you hit like forty percent on your on your ASVAB, you're gonna go be a bullet sponge. You're you're not gonna go <laughs> and, and handle any massive equipment. You're just gonna go and and people are gonna tell you where to go and you're gonna point and shoot. This this is what it boils down to. It's the same thing with the Imperial Academy on Karita. Well, you, you, I, don't, uh, you don't you don't you don't read fifty seven then. What's that? I'm glad I fifty seven then. <laughs> <laughs> so like if you don't if you don't reach uh, a certain standard, guess what, buddy? You're gonna go be a stormtrooper. Oh, oh you're too tall for it? All right, you're gonna go be a janitor. Oh, you're too short <laughs> for it? Oh, you're you're gonna go do something else. They still had to maintain the the idea of of they had uh, clone troopers, uh, because um, they didn't want to. They didn't want to. Uh, ex- they didn't want to um, cede the fact that they'd lost the the cloning facilities, and that was the biggest reason why they got rid of the clone troopers. Like the, the only clone troopers that were still in existence, um, even around the time that uh, uh, the Emperor died and um, the second Star Destroyer was or second Death Star was destroyed was uh they were on uh Darth Vader's ship uh the the executor um and then they went down with the ship so 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 no more no more of those guys right. um but yeah like the those clone troopers were trained to meticulous standards that uh the Imperial Academy on Karita didn't train them to so that I mean yeah yeah and uh to go off of your point Ian what in the podcast yesterday, I was like, you know, I want since, uh, you know, the mouse decided to nerf all the <clears throat> all the it was pretty awesome. The canon, because I've read probably five or six of the books and they were good. Mm-hmm. But then the mouse was like, yeah, no, fuck that canon. We're going to do it our way now. So, yeah, yeah fuck that. So but uh, like especially with Kara. Uh, I would like to see how she fell from being a rebel shock trooper to just, you know, being out there on a, were they in the outer rim or were they just like on the edge of the outer rim? This whole story has been going on in the outer rim. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I'd like to see how she went from being a rebel shock trooper to ending up on the outer rim. Well, and And she she even mentions it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like more than that, though. Yeah, but sh- so <clears throat> this isn't formal former rebellion shock trooper. This is the Mandalorian, and like I got it. You want a little bit more of her backstory, but I mean, she says enough for us to understand what goes on 
and the the reason that she is where she is because I mean she's I mean use me as an example she's just like me I've gotten to hmm. the point where I'm I'm tired of of my efforts being wasted I'm tired of you know not being listened to even though you know I've been telling these guys hey this is what you got to do this is how you got to do it and then they come back to me after they did it a different way They're like oh yeah we were wrong well I mean if I if you'd have paid attention to me in the first place then we wouldn't be here now will we they're like no and I like I have nothing else to <laughs> say for you guys uh, I'm done and I'll be out in in April uh at that point I'm going to do 6 months of quote unquote mercenary work which is pretty much not doing a goddamn thing and mm-hmm. then I'll figure out what to do in my life afterwards. She's the same way. She got tired of, of being put in a shit situation. She got tired of her efforts being wasted. And she got tired of of not knowing what was going to happen the next day. And she got out. She did some mercenary work. And then she was just trying to like lay low and not have to deal with all the bullshit anymore. So. Right. Okay. Well, okay. So that aside then too, I also had said, you know, I'd like to know. I'd like to know how Gideon got the dark saber, how he knew everything about Kara, about Din, the Mandalorian, about mm-hmm. uh, the, the other dude who was, uh, was he a regent or something? A magistrate. He was a magistrate, magistrate before yeah. he became the, the guild uh, guy yeah. for the bounty hunters guild. Yeah. I'd like to know how he got all that information. There's, my point was, since the mouse nerfed all that cannon, yeah, I want to see them make better cannon. Yeah, and 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 I'm I'm right there with you. Like, yeah, I would like to know a little bit more about her, but I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. Um, oh, I'd go all the way down that rabbit hole. Just saying. Well, I mean, I yes, I'd I'd go down her holes many times over, but that's not what I'm, I'm <laughs> talking about right now. Um, um but I I mainly wanna f- like I really wanna focus on how he got the Darksaber, how he knew Din, and and what's gonna happen next with all of them. Like I'm really hoping that, that the coven wasn't completely destroyed and that uh they they end up going back, uh, back there and helping um, Kara and the magistrate kind of like set that area up as not necessarily as as bounty guild stuff, but like as an area for like minded individuals. But I really right. want to see. I really like. I'm sorry. I've seen a couple pictures of it so far, and I'm. I really want to see Baby Yoda become a Mandalorian. That's that's um that's <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> Could well has there so it would be the opposite then. It would be the first force using Mandalorian instead of a Mandalorian Jedi. I guess that's probably just saying the same thing twice, but you know what I mean. Well, and here's the other thing. So they they've said Yoda's species isn't really light or dark, and that Yoda Yoda himself even had some dark side powers, which you could see in, in couple of the, a couple of the earlier movies 
um, when he fights Count Dooku and, and Emperor Palpatine with regards to uh, like force lightning. Like he's able to to take Count Dooku's force lightning and, and throw it back at him. And then at one point he's even able to like take the force lightning and, and basically draw it into himself. And so we've seen something similar with, with baby Yoda in that he already inherently knows some quote unquote dark side powers, like choking the force choking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and others. So like, I, I, I agree with the Mandalorian Force user, not so much the Mandalorian Jedi. I don't think that Baby Yoda is going to end up being a Jedi per se. I really like. I really want to see him be a, a Mandalorian, but I, I also really want to see him like. I don't know. I, I like. I really want. I, re- I just really want to see how they they go on with this, especially with, with how everything's uh, popped up, uh, especially the last two episodes. Yeah, definitely. So that's uh, sort of an hour and eight minutes. Any, oh shit, I fainted. Well, how about that? Um, anyone else got anything they want to talk about for this uh a little bit long episode or behind the scenes. Well, how long were we going to make it? Well, uh, you know, to your Witcher, oh, valley of plenty. <laughs> um, mm. Speaking of that, uh, <laughs> you know who Leo Mora Kelly is, right? Or however you pronounce his last name. Huh? The guy from Frog Leap Studios that does all the metal covers. Oh yeah, no, I saw I saw the the metal cover of of that song. He actually did a really good job of it too. And I bought it on Friday <laughs> off of uh, the Play Store because yeah, that is an awesome is an awesome cover. And as soon as I can actually get the actual friggin' MP3 downloaded to my phone, I'm gonna make it my ringtone. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely agree with the um whatchamacallit, the uh the rock cover. It was it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So um I'll just listen and you two can uh can fan fellow out about the Witcher. Okay, so I can't remember what we were going to explain first the last time that we we brought up the the Witcher conversation, Gerald. Mm, well, we talked about how it's two different timelines converging together. Right. We talked about how the Law of Surprise was not just some uh like some rule or agreement that people go by but it's an actual like law of it, the world like the the law it, it it's like gravity yeah. like it's it's a law of science in that world yeah right yes um and how uh that's uh that's really what screwed over the uh the lioness 
because she decided of all things to challenge, she would challenge the, a, a law of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was, uh, and like, at, my thing was <clears throat> at one point, the guy who ends up marrying her was like, no, you don't challenge the law of surprise. You don't challenge the law of surprise. And then the, the, the second time that she goes to challenge it, when, it, when, uh, Geralt is trying to get um, Siri. He, he's all like, "No, no, no, uh, we'll we'll challenge it." And it's like, "I thought you believed in a law of surprise." Like, what the fuck happened? And he's all like, uh, "I'm pussy whipped." This is basically what it boils <laughs> down to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, um, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yeah, very much. As well, he gets an arrow in the head, like <laughs> and law of surprise. Well, <laughs> I mean, do you want to get kicked repeatedly in the balls, or would you just rather have your balls slowly squeezed? Um, I would prefer just n- neither. I would prefer I to say, have a reasonable spouse. I would like. To, <laughs> I'd like to keep my balls safe and sound. Please, I use them. Like hmm. as a spouse, my entire my part of my job is making sure that I do what's best for my spouse. So knowing what he knows and what everyone knows about the law of surprise, he should have been absolutely sticking to his guns of you need to stop this. And he should have been bringing up the fact like, remember the last time you ch- challenged the law of surprise and it literally backhanded you? Perhaps a lesson needed to be learned from that. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, um yeah, like the I don't know. I I'm I'm of two minds with regards to the final episode. Um like I like the fact that uh Geralt and Siri like finally come together and stuff but at the same time like that whole episode was so chaotic like all Mm. over the fucking place yeah and that was actually the the actual convergence of all the timelines it wasn't wasn't just two. It was, you know, it was Geralt and Yaskir. It was the lioness. It was uh, Yennefer. Well, well, no, it, no. There were two timelines we were following. It was, it was, it was two timelines, three points of view. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have you have the the current timeline, <clears throat> Siri. So anything with Siri was 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 the current timeline, uh, except for the the small flashback uh, um, in episode seven, when when they show why Siri originally looked towards the doorway, and it was because Geralt was standing there, um, and then like seven and episode seven and eight were like the the convergence of the timelines. Um, the issue I have, well, hold on, let me go back. So you had Siri was the present timeline, and then Geralt and Yennefer were the past timelines, and they were the, the two viewpoints. Now, if, occasionally in the past timeline, those two viewpoints would come together, such as when uh, Geralt and Yennefer first met each other, 
when Geralt and Yennefer uh, met each other when they went hunting for the dragon. Um, and I think that was the, I think those are the only two convergences of those two, even though they showed a flashback of, of them meeting each other before. So they had several run-ins with each other. It's just, um, they only show those two, those two convergences of those, of those two viewpoints. And then from that point on, it's still, it's still the, the, the viewpoint of Geralt, the viewpoint of Yennefer, and then, you know, Siri and that that current timeline. So, hmm. okay, fair enough. But I I I don't know. Like, I want to see what they're gonna do because. So, the other thing that I have a problem with is the apparent disappearance of Yennefer. Yeah, that was something that I had brought up because you weren't. Uh, that was when Critis joined us two weeks ago. Was like, did did she did her chaos just consume her when she threw all those flames out? Well, and that's that's the thing that I'm conf- <clears throat> I'm somewhat confused about because in order to give magic wise chaos wise, you have to take magic wise chaos wise. So when that's why they were talking about using herbs and, and stuff like that or, or flowers. So like they hold the flower and they levitate the rock The flower dies. The rock levitates. Nothing happens to them. Right. Um, but at the same time, two things. One, she took the fire from one area and put it somewhere else, which is why I'm wondering where, where the, the give and take was coming from if if it was just her chaos in in total that that they're that they're making it it seem like that and then the second thing is is she's part elf yeah so if she's part elf and she can do the deeper magics without having to rely on the all equivalent the exchange human, yeah yeah all the things that the humans have to why is she disappearing after basically incinerating the whole army? Well, she can't be dead. She's obviously because story, she can't be dead. So we just have to find out what happened at this point. Right. Well, the other thing is, as her and Geralt are supposed to raise Siri together, Siri comes to look at her as a mother. And basically, Ugh, Siri is <laughs> Siri ends up becoming a more badass version of Geralt and Yennefer together. Like, if you were able to merge Geralt and Yennefer together, that's Siri. And I that's... really, really hope Siri's a daddy's girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> Yennefer is not a role model. <laughs> not by any means. I mean, she made the mayor's house into a a, a massive sex Brothel. orgy. <laughs> well, it, it, I'm not even talking about that. I could see that. I could see doing that on a fun Friday night. I'm talking about other, all the other psychological and emotional baggage that bitch has. <laughs> well, you also got to remember, she fucking tortured when she was younger. And no, she was mistreated. She wasn't tortured when she was younger. She was mistreated. Talking. What about um, those two, 
make out. They fucking tortured her. Yeah, the, the oh, kid they, who, yeah, <clears throat> they they kind of tortured her. So her okay. family Hold on. just mistreated her, but but people in the village tortured her. Hold on. I am going off of what the show presents, and there is no evidence showing that that was more than one isolated incident. Yes, those two decided to be dicks at that time, but they give no evidence that this was a common occurrence. And her parents right. were dicks, and but we're giving no evidence that the stepdad, but, right? And but we're giving no evidence that there was continuous abuse, only that they were dicks. Oh my god, seriously. Well, what did we see he, other he, than him? He, he other was, than him he, being like, verbally abusive, verbally abusive, absolutely. Well, not to mention the fact that we fucking sold her. Like he literally, oh, right? He but her. that means he doesn't give like, a shit about her. It doesn't mean the, he's beating the, her every night. <laughs> like, Nobody said anything about him beating her, but well, that was like the uh, that was the 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 crowning moment <laughs> of his terrorizing or mistreating her or whatever you want to call it now you, yes there's there's nothing to show that it was in the show to go ongoing however there's you can tell from the way that she treated herself to the point where she tried to commit suicide that it was more than just those isolated incidents well right and well no I'm not saying that her dad wasn't verbally abusive and didn't mistreat her. I am not stating that. I am stating that there's no evidence to show that she was anything other but shunned because of how she looked and what she was. So was she mistreated? By her family, yes. But, but she well, was, only she was by her dad, really. Her mom yeah. actually but, seemed to love her. It's just that her mom oh, yeah. couldn't go up against her dad. Yeah. So, yeah, but she was she was also tortured and mistreated by village members. Now, that and that's what I'm saying. We don't have uh, evidence on. for that. Hold on, though. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> the culminating the culminating event for those though, like because she was well into her teenage years when when this happens. So then the, the, there had to have been other incidences, and the fact that those two caught her in the stable that way and did what they did was just the culminating point of her unable to to take it anymore and then that's when she portaled into uh into the the cave with Lenny Crown. and then what's his name sent her back and and the culminating event for the family was the fact that the stepfather sold her for four marks. And then all of that together coupled with the fact that she was tore from her family was enough to send her over the edge. So it had to have been like there had to have been more incidences like the stable. There had to have been more incidences like with, with the father telling her no don't help get away and her trying to like prove that she can and ends up getting the slop all over over herself so like the there there was there was more there than what they were willing to show as a backstory but 
her life up until that point was just one large lump of misery that that the fact that she was sold off to this woman that showed up out of nowhere um with the demeanor that she did she was just like you know what fuck this i'm i'm done with everything i mean kind of been there so and i get where you're coming from for and i'm not saying that Jennifer doesn't have good re- like it doesn't have reason to be as fucked up as she is um though she's had plenty of time to figure out to figure things out like she she gets plenty of time to figure things out and she just doesn't um but what what i'm stating is that so the way they portray her portaling away is in a time of extreme stress so she cannot control her power right so mm-hmm. it happens defensively. So if what those two kids had done wasn't just a spur of the moment malicious thing and was something that she had been subject to more often, why would this be the first time she'd ever done this? She would have done so defensively because, because before chaos, as well. Because outside of so chaos powers don't manifest themselves until your teenage years. Well, how? Well, right. But at, is it like when you're 14, when you're 15, or is it the moment you hit puberty? No, it it all depends. It all depends because series what like twelve maybe she's like four. No, 14 she's just like 14 or 15. Because mm. series like 14 or 15, Jennifer was, I want to say, closer to like 16 or 17. I don't know. Yeah, but. But it it all depends. <laughs> and it, it depends. It depends on your innate chaos ability, as well as um, your emotions. And um, they must have because because those two in the stable hit a very very large nerve for. Um, for Jennifer, because if you remember when she went back to the um, the Brotherhood and looked in the mirror, she saw herself as she was and not as she is. So the whole disfigurement and everything like that and not being beautiful enough for somebody to want to kiss her and so on and so forth was, was um, the ultimate like I'm setting this nerve on fire and 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 her emotions exploded out of her. As I, I I I'm a firm believer that she was tortured beforehand, but not to the point that I think their torturing was it hit a little bit harder than all the others just because of the fact that the whole circumstances surrounding why that happened. Mm. Them believing that she 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 was uh uh, spying on them because she wanted to know what it felt like to have somebody want to do that with her and yada 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 and just the maliciousness of, of how they went about that just to me seemed like that was the, the button that was needed to be pushed in order for her chaos to explode out of her. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll have to disagree on that one. Um, I feel like she... Yeah, well, yeah, we'll have to disagree on that one. I do feel like, yeah, she had a bad childhood but what i also notice is that 
as people, we tend to think that because one really bad thing happened, that really bad thing must have been a constant throughout a person's life. And by no means am I stating that she was treated anywhere fairly or even like a human being as she was getting grown up because human beings are cruel creatures that definitely, if you're different, will shun you, attack you, and hurt you. But the way it was portrayed from my perspective didn't seem like this was a constant thing that happened to her because first off she wasn't afraid if this was a constant thing going on in her life it feels really weird to me that she would have been brave enough to even return that flower if every time she was being constantly assaulted or tortured it feels very so and it also feels very weird to me that the only time she would have tried to kill herself was after she went to the tower and felt like she was and and it, and it was not because she had been hurt or attacked but because she felt useless so i feel like this is an emotional abuse she's been growing up with not a not a i have been attacked and hurt abuse yeah so i i never said anything about her being attacked and hurt and everything like that um Torture doesn't necessarily need to be physical by, by any means. Um, and then I just, <clears throat> I'm going to draw a little bit on my pain for a minute and ask you a, a, a question. Um, how many times have you been hurt and still try and find acceptance in people? Often. Um, I feel like that's, and I'm not going to act like, Every single day, right? Um, but right. I, I'd say an average amount in every person's life is being hurt by something, but still trying to find that acceptance. So I just go with an average. So, so I, I will, I will delve a little deeper in this. And <clears throat> as a child, how many times were were you? Um, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say hurt, but uh, ignored, made fun of, um, so on and so forth, and, and still tried to find some way that would um, ingratiate yourself into others, into them accepting you as who you are. Okay, so are we talking about family, or are we just talking about the population in outside general. in general? Yeah, out, outside of the family, like... At school. Yeah, outside of the family at school. Yeah, that was my entire school life up till about the end of high school. Okay, yeah. So we're on the same page. So <laughs> we're all on the same page. Like, I, now, I'm, I will say, so I'm, in I'm by no means was I a pariah. But yeah, being being the one always picked on, fucked with, kind of pushed it. Like, I was lucky enough that I had three or four good friends. Yeah, I don't even remember having good friends. So that's um, the difference then. So yeah, so I, yeah. Um, I, I will I will say so it, I don't want to get too emotional on this stuff but uh recently have have um started uh talking to we'll say a therapist for lack of a better term that has opened my eyes to a few things that um, I have been 
unwilling to accept uh, or or change uh, up until now because um, I wanted people to uh, uh, I wanted people to accept me and I wanted to have friends and and all of that mess and uh, hmm. he told me that it, it the the type of person I am that it didn't matter how many times. Uh, somebody hurt me or uh, uh, I wasn't receiving the same amount of effort in return that I was still giving so much myself that when it came time for, for um, that person to have quote unquote left my life or, you know, leave me in general, I didn't have any of me left over. Uh, and so, in a small part, I can understand where she's coming from um, with regards to uh, dealing with that type of stuff in her younger years and then basically using her newfound power and beauty and soaking it all up as a way of getting back at, at those that wronged her when she was younger. Right. Um, I'm not saying that by any means she's a great person. Uh, I I just think she's a little misguided, and she even says it herself that uh, that her power and and the ad- adoration that she got went to her head, and that that was one of the reasons why she finally broke through uh, <clears throat> with the other witches, sorceresses, whatever you want to call them. Um, and and went and helped them fight the battle was because she realized who she really was, and and that deep down she really is a good person. She just got dealt some shit hands at, at the beginning. Mm. So I I I think that's one of the reasons why they went through the backstory with Yennefer that they did is to show that she just wants, you know, what everybody else wants. She got dealt some shit cards at the beginning and um really what she didn't realize is they weren't shit cards they were just like there was a covering of shit on the cards and that when she revealed what the cards really were it blinded her at the beginning and she used it as a means to try and acquire what she wasn't able to acquire when she was younger Mm -hmm. um so I hear you on that. Yeah, I, I can I can understand your perspective on that, and I hope in the second season we get to see a changed Jennifer, uh, uh, um, yeah, who's learned from her mistakes and is being better. Um, <clears throat> and I also see where you're coming from with your own personal pain, because I uh, I believe we took two different. We did two different reactions to to doing to going through the same thing outside of me having the friends, but you not having them is uh you kept trying to find that acceptance. I decided fuck all of them and kind of isolated myself, and that was the approach I took to not getting the acceptance that I was looking for. So holy shit, oh, yeah. folks, well, getting that's, that's deep over here. That I'm, I'm, I'm taking at this point. Is, is <laughs> everybody else can go fuck themselves. 
I already have a like I have I've I've got it all planned out. Like I'm probably gonna end up getting drugs uh within the next week or so and, and I'll take the drugs to be a happy go lucky person while I'm at work. Uh <clears throat> but for the most part, like I was saying earlier, I'll I'll be out of the army by by April. Uh I'll probably end up having between eighty and ninety dis uh eighty and ninety percent disability from the VA, uh, which is going to be a nice paycheck. And I'll probably end up getting a separation check from the army, which again is going to be a nice paycheck. And then I'm going to take six months and God forbid anybody, anybody that burned me, whether it was the last year, whether it's the last five years, whether the last 10 years, God forbid you try and walk back in my life. I will have zero time and zero tolerance for you. You could be coming back to tell me that you have cancer. You can come back to tell me that, that, that you made hella mistakes and that you're truly sorry. And I'm going to tell you, have a nice life and shut the door in your face. And I'm only going to tell you that as, as a way to, you know, just keep things civil. Because if, if I say what I really mean, you, I mean, not that I'm going to care at that point, but I don't need you sitting at my doorstep crying for hours on end because I broke your feelings. Mm, Let me tell you some things about you that you don't want to (laughs) hear. Right, yeah. Like, you, oh, oh, now you need somebody to, to help you out when I did nothing but help you out before and you basically abandoned me the one time that I actually needed something from you. Uh, yeah, no. Just you know, how about you? Oh, you have chemo treatment. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing that there's like a seventy five percent probability it doesn't work. <clears throat> so right. I just I'm I'm. I didn't mean to bring this to an emotional level, but I'm uh, you're fed good, up with man. everything. I'm fed up with everybody, and at this point. Um, I don't know, uh, if I told David this and, and, uh, and, um, at this point I don't care, so I don't mind sharing it, but I, I reached a, a real, um, I reached a real low spot, uh, right before Christmas, um, went through a lot of personal stuff, went through a lot of work related stuff. And, uh, I got to the point that I wanted it to end. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've, I've kind of uh, gleaned that. So I, uh, I was, uh, so I, I ran into a personal issue the week prior and I got home and I saw that my pistol was on my nightstand and I made the conscious decision to unload it, rack it back and set the pistol in one spot and the magazine in another spot so that I, I wouldn't have any temptations. Um, and uh, a week later, I got so low that when I got home, I locked and loaded it, sat down in my beanbag chair and put the pistol in front of me and just sat there. Mm. Uh, I uh, I put a movie on and I don't even remember what movie it was. I don't even remember how far I got through the movie. I just know that at some point I looked down at the pistol and, and I didn't know where I was going to go from there. Uh Luckily, I, I texted a friend, and he called me, and we started talking. And next thing I know, he's on my front door. And when he left, he took my pistol with him. Hmm. So that's probably the only reason why I'm still here right now. 
Well, let me tell you this. We're so, definitely glad you're still here, Ian. Absolutely. And it seems yeah. like you do have a pretty good friend to have come over and done that for you. Yeah. Because if, yeah, uh-huh. if you had, I'd had to have learned necromancy to bring your ass back just so I could beat the shit out of you. Uh, you probably would have done that. I would have taken you back to hell with me. Well, you and Christy, because you know, if 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 I were to take you by by yourself, she she'd never forgive me. So I'd have to take the both of you with me. Well, remember, she's she's got the only fan. So yeah, hmm. I don't I I like hot weather. Ugh, <laughs> I do not like hot weather. I, <laughs> I I I'm hold on. I I let me see. I don't know if I saved this this picture. I'm gonna put it into the. Uh, no, I didn't. Hold on. I, uh, I posted a, a picture, uh, on my Facebook that, um, pretty much was, um, I think this is the one. No, that's not the one. Uh, pretty much, uh, fuck it. Let's go at this point. Oh yeah. I says, so, uh, I said, this is me at this point. Fuck it. Let's go. Um, let me see if I can put it in the group. Yeah, I just I just put it into the the Facebook chat. Yep. Let's see. Uh, I will look at it. I may get disconnected. Okay. Uh, so it says uh, it's a message by Satan, and it says if it's one or one thousand sins, you're still getting sent to hell. So why not go for a million sins and come down here a legend? God's like, yo, what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, "That that's me at this point. Fuck it, let's go." Like, I'll I'll go for two million, and I'll be legendary. Hmm. Just two million—that's rookie numbers. You need to pump those numbers up. Oh, I was of the sound, the 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 sound inclination. They do not want me down there because. Hmm. <laughs> It would be that person that when your feet hit the ground, Lucifer's like, oh, shit, he's up again. Well, they tell you that when you get sent to prison, pick the biggest guy in the room and whoop his ass. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, hey, buddy, I got some words I for mean, you. Have you, have, you watched the, have you watched the remade Longest Yard with, with Adam Sandler? No. Oh. So... He's sitting, so it's the first time that he's sitting sitting inside the fucking cafeteria, whatever the hell you want to call that, wherever they're eating. And uh, Chris Rock goes to join him, and they're talking and stuff, and, and like, he's talking about who's going to be whose bitch, and yada, yada, yada. He's, uh, so they finish eating up, talking, and, and uh, Adam Sandler's like, thanks for the advice, da, 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 da. Is, uh, and as Chrissy's walking away, Chris walks like, what are you going to do? And uh, I can't remember what he says, but he walks over to the dude that was uh, giving him a hard time before, like trying to make him his, uh, trying to make Adam Sandler his bitch. Adam Sandler's like, here, let me take this for you. He's like, I'm not done eating. And, he's, and Adam Sandler's like, oh, really? And like cracks this dude the back, back of the skull with this metal tray food tray <laughs> and then this <coughs> brawl breaks out inside the cafeteria it's like 
one of my favorite scenes in the entire fucking movie because they uh they throw this like uh suppression grenade <laughs> out and um it's basically a grenade with metal ball bearings in it and so they throw it in the air so that when it explodes all the ball bearings go all over the place and fucking all the prisoners go down they're like oh my god okay that sounds so like the- a handheld claymore it's similar, but it, it's not lethal. So they're rubber balls. No, they're metal ball bearings. They're just the the force of the explosion isn't enough to penetrate skin. Mm. And so um, the uh, the the chief guard or whatever comes in with two of the guards, and uh, he tells Adam Sandler to get on his feet. And uh, they're they're talking, and and uh, he, the chief guard's like, you know, you're not like you're you're no different from anybody else in here. And Sarah goes, oh really? They all think that you're a giant piece of shit too. Hmm. And like he goes to hit him with his uh, baton or whatever, and Adam Sandler catches it and goes, you got to cut that shit out. And like everybody's looking at Adam Sandler, like, bro, you, you, you about to, you about to die, you about to die, bro. <laughs> and fucking, uh, the the main guy's like, that's gonna cost you. And as he walks away, his, one of his, uh, one of the guards that was standing with him, kind of like leans back to let him pass. And as he comes through, just clocks Adam Sandler right in the fucking face. And then <laughs> he wakes up in the fucking hot box or whatever. But that whole scene, like the pick out the biggest guy and make him your bitch like that's like one of my favorite scenes from that movie he just walks over grabs this dude's tray he's like here let me take that for you he's like I'm not that anything oh really whack and fucking <laughs> smashes him in the back of the skull with a tray <laughs> sounds like a ripping good time <sighs> take a breath it's okay yeah oh. I just need to be able to hunt stupid people. I think that'll be able to help <laughs> release some frustrations. Eh, it would be nice, but there are rules we should not break. Yeah, okay, so then just remove them. warning labels and install cameras in people's kitchens so I can watch what happens. I think we had this conversation. We were like, <laughs> I don't think that's gonna solve I was like, I don't think that's gonna solve as many problems as you want it to. <laughs> it no, will it solve, solve some problems, but it won't solve not, it'll solve hella problems. Don't even know how to do their own laundry, let alone fucking Oh uh, yeah. I, I Removing warning labels will help everything sort itself out. I mean, good chance that it'll take out a couple people in the White House, too. Just saying. <laughs> it'll now, honestly now, uh, now, Secret really Service, mess up if you're the listening, government. If you're listening in on this Secret Service, we do not condone the death of the president. I never said anything about the president. You didn't say it. You did not say anything about the president. So I said that removing warning labels would probably remove a couple of people from the White House. The yeah. White House is full of stupid people. Yeah, but because you didn't not 
not say the president. I'm just putting that disclaimer out there. I'm just saying I'm not killing anybody. <laughs> I'm just saying remove warning labels. <laughs> I, I, Tide Pod Challenge. You get a Tide Pod Challenge. You get a Tide Pod Challenge. Yeah, you remove warning labels. Trump won't won't make it through a week. So once again, uh, we. But then again, <laughs> on when I really think about it, though, Trump doesn't read warning labels as it is. Hmm. Yeah, he's still around. See, that's the, that's why I say I don't know if it's going to solve as many problems as you think it will. Because that's because we have Trump people gets like everybody Trump. else to do things for him. He doesn't. No. <laughs> well, he, you're not wrong, but I don't think that's the case when it comes to the warning labels thing. I'm pretty sure there's no one going, uh, President Trump, you're supposed to use the guard with that buzz saw. Right, oh, I don't think the that's the case. Oh, I got it, but like, what, I I got you were using you were using an example, but what was the last time you think Trump actually used power tools? That's what I'm saying. Like any of that type of stuff, whether it's like power tools, medicine, anything, I don't think Trump handles anything. Like, I even think like they hand him a pen, it's already been clicked, so he doesn't have to worry about how to write with it. <laughs> well, you might be right. You 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 might be right. I mean, they probably open doors for him too. Do, does he even know how a door handle works? He well, might not I'll, know I'll, how a door I'll, handle works. I'll say this: I don't think a lot of people in Congress know how it works since they have handlers and people leadership for them. Now, I will say remove the warning labels and maybe AOC will meet an unfortunate accident because fuck that bitch. Even if Oh my god. (laughs) Trump may not know how to open doors. (laughs) What a revelation. (laughs) Am I wrong? You're, I don't think you are, actually. It, 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 it brings, now that the question has been posed, it makes you think about the actual answer. Like, does he, though? Anybody who's filthy fucking rich. Filthy rich. Fucking, they, they, they have people to do everything for them. I mean, shit. Their assistants have assistants. <laughs> like, I I would be hella surprised, hella hella surprised, if if anybody in Trump's position with Trump's mannerisms and everything knew how to do anything for themselves. He probably has a bidet. He doesn't even know how to wipe his own ass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, was it? There I was, was actually going to ask that too. I was going to pose that. It's like, I, I, I hope he at least knows how to wipe himself. No, I, and that brings I, up the I'm question: Do women, do, like, do women in that position actually know how to put a tampon in, or do they have to have someone else do it for them? No, someone oh who like went to I'll, school hold on, for it. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Would you want to be on. the one that puts a Pelosi tampon? Oh, she probably doesn't even have a period anymore. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm. Like. Most women in those positions, they have menopause. They don't have to worry about tampons. So no, they don't know how to use them anymore. (laughs) 
Now I did see something. I don't know. I don't know if it was satire or not, but it was. Uh, I think it was on Facebook uh, that millennials kind of lost interest in Hillary because she didn't drive herself places. I, I mean, I, I I honestly wouldn't be surprised, but at the same time, what millennial knows how to drive? I think I'm a millennial. I drive. I think technically speaking, I am. I don't. I don't see myself as a millennial. I think it's well, eighty-one or eighty-two be... is the cutoff. Like, oh, eighty-one or eighty-two. Yeah, I'm like I'm like on the cusp of not being a millennial. Oh, I am not a millennial though. If I had to be born eighty-two or sooner, or is yeah. it after eighty-two? So it's if 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 it was. 82, 83, or, or higher. So, yeah. If you are 37 or younger, millennial. Okay, because I was born 83. Yeah, so you're you'd be considered a millennial. Okay, that's, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, so, it's anything was, after 1982. Yeah, I was born in 85. I, they consider me a millennial. I don't see myself as a millennial, and by all means, call me a millennial. I'm not going to care because I'm not. Okay, boomer. The mentality. That's <laughs> one, one of my soldiers. Okay, says that all boomer. <laughs> and I just look at him and I go, "You're lucky. You're already 21, bitch." Because <laughs> he smokes. Right. <laughs> so like. <laughs> Okay, Boomer. Boomer's response. Let's make the smoking age 21. Everybody else, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. <laughs> I just look Damn. at him and I go, it's a good thing you're 21 already, fuckface. <laughs> oh, that shit was hilarious, too. Uh, I think I was at the uh, gas station that I would normally stop at in the morning uh, before I you know, like I'm in my work truck and I go to the gas station, I'll get, I'll refill my cup with ice and water, get a cold, get a cold coffee. And, uh, some dude who was, wasn't 21 in front of me was like, they asked for ID and she, and he was like, what, I'm not grandfathered in. Nope. Feel sorry for you. So actually <laughs> speaking, if you, if you were 18 before the law came into place, 18 or older, then you were grandfathered in. However, if you turned 18 like the day after the law went into place, guess what? You are fucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there is a grandfathered. So there is probably... a grandfather. If you were, if you turned uh, 18 or older, if you were 18 or older before. The law was in place, then you're grandfathered in. If if you didn't turn 18 until after the law was in place, then you're not in. Hmm. Well, I guess somebody at the Swain so needs to tell them people at the Speedway about that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, but I, I wholeheartedly agree. Take the warning labels off. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not gonna fix. It's it's not gonna fix like rich people because again, they don't do anything for themselves. However, mm. the the more common stupid people, oh yeah, it'll fix things real quick. The ones that are on the 
the the uh, the foot soldier idiots. It'll take care of them. It won't take care of the generals, but it'll take care of the foot soldiers. Yeah, but if the generals don't have any foot soldiers to lead, then then they end up fighting their own wars, and they go the same way as their foot soldiers, anyways. Right. Yeah. Um. I'm going to go ahead and call it here. It's getting uh, dangerously close for my bedtime. I know yeah. it's weird for a 38-year-old to have a bedtime, but I got to be up at, uh, at 6.30. Yeah, that, I, I, I gotta, think that's actually pretty common. For you. <laughs> yeah. even, even with me being an hour behind you, I'm still going to be up before you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if I was still working morning shift at the airport, I would definitely be up before you. <laughs> well, you gentlemen have a fine evening, and uh, I will talk to you guys later. Yeah, yep. you guys have a good night, Ian. Make sure we do this again. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I will try and be more sociable next time. Hopefully, uh, uh, the drugs will have kicked in by then. So I, I just find it hard to be uh, social right now. So. I'm, well, I'm a bit of an invert. Uh, people tire me out. Like I've told friends before, I uh, people have. Ex- um, what did I say? Uh, I have had all the inter uh, all the people interaction I can handle for the day. I have absolutely <laughs> said that to, to my friends before. So yeah, I understand. I, I, like, I don't want a people anymore. Yeah, I got <laughs> yeah. Christ- I got Christy a pin off of wish that says it's two people outside. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine sent me a picture. Hold on, she sent me a picture. It's like this is this is you, and uh, it's uh, uh, it's 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 a pug or uh, an, an English bulldog looking through the cat door because he can't fit his body through. And it says me checking outside to make sure I still hate the general public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes, yes, that is me. <laughs> yes. We need shirts made. Yeah. So, all right, gentlemen, you enjoy your uh, evening. Uh, try not to uh, go crazy this next week at work. Are you, yeah, are yeah. you trying to remind yourself or telling us? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. yes. Have a good night, guys. Have a good one. Have a good night, everybody. We will see you next week <clears throat> or later yep, yep. this week. <laughs>